Welcome to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons. Q is about conversation. If we're really concerned about ending poverty, we've got to be more concerned about creating justice. Our cultural products as Christians need to both defy and resonate with the culture. But God's doing amazing things. His church is expanding, his church is growing. It's not what's the purpose of my life, it's what is the purpose that's been assigned. Stay curious, think well, advance good. This is Q. There are many online communities that are, I mean, I hate even saying this, but just really brainwashing kids that they'll yeah. even tell tell them like, if your parent doesn't give you hormones immediately, then they're transphobic and they're just going to increase your suicidality. They're toxic and you need to get away from toxic relationships so you don't kill yourself. And so when a, when a, when a teenager is being bathed in this and then the parent, if they raise any questions, they're like, oh, yep, yeah, that... Online community is correct. Toxic parent. I'm going to kill myself. I need to get out of this house, get away, cut them off. Welcome again to Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, a weekly radio show made in cooperation between Q Ideas and Faith Radio. I'm Paul Perot. At the start of the show, just a reminder that this coming Thursday and Friday, April 22nd and 23rd, you're invited to join Gabe and his team for the Culture Summit, the 15th annual Q Conference, not just in Nashville, but right where you are, because you can be part of it this year. It's a hybrid format. Learn more at qideas.org slash culture summit. Gabe will talk more about that later later in our show. First, though, again this week, we're looking at the topic of the transgender movement, its explosive growth, some of its underlying beliefs, and how it's tearing families apart. Now, if you were with us last week, Gabe started a conversation with his good friend Preston Sprinkle from the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. He's not only just been studying the issue around the LGBT movement and what the Bible has to say, He's engaged with those who have been involved in various LGBT lifestyles and have struggled through issues of gender dysphoria, their families, and having themselves wrestled with God through these issues. He recently wrote the book called Embodied, Gender Identities, the Church, and What the Bible Has to Say. Last week on the show, Gabe started a conversation with Preston about his book and his findings. Well, Gabe and Preston continued that conversation. Let's listen to more of it right now. us growing up we wanted to be accepted we want to have identities we you know whether I was an athlete growing up and that right. was a big deal to me or you know somebody was you know a great artist and and there's ways in which these social groups form and I think we're just seeing some different types of groupings form and again it's not to discount that these feelings aren't real that no. kids aren't desiring to just be themselves as they've been told they can be but we're certainly in a new world now where that is more normal, where kids are having to learn how to, you know, talk to one friend one way one year and then call them by a different name the next year. And for those kids, I've had them, you know, in, in, in my home where we're having conversations about that. And it can be very confusing. They don't quite understand. They just know they're supposed to follow along. Uh, and so I think for people who are parents and are walking through this with their kids, I think for pastors, ministers, youth leaders, you know, people on campuses who are trying to build relationships with a new generation, 
you have to know how to think through this one. It's it's one of those questions that a lot of our youth have, and they want to know, well, is it really a big deal that somebody wants to identify differently than their biological sex? Like, how big of a deal should we make of that? Is it a sin? Or is it just kind of a thing? And we shouldn't make too much of it. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I think a lot of even Christians are thinking. The, the one thing, going back to the theology, is that the the Bible is is pretty clear on this, that, that you know, our bodies are significant, you know, our bodies belong to God. And, and you see in Paul's letters, you see in Genesis that, you know, the, our bodies are part of our identity. The Bible doesn't place a lot of um, stock in our kind of uh, internal sense of who we are. It puts a lot of stock in who God tells us who we are, you know. Um, so our bodies aren't just superfluous. Like the what you do with your body, and this, this applies to many other areas that we can even get into the outside the trans conversation, but what we do with our bodies these are moral decisions, you know, including um, tattoos. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I uh, yeah, we can have that discussion, but I think, yeah, anybody yeah. should at least at least ask yeah. that question. Piercings. Sure. I mean, any, anything with your body matters. Our bodies matter. Yeah. They're part of what God's. Created. I just don't I don't like the moral thinking that, oh, it's just my body. Therefore, I can. That sentence is not a Christian sentence. It is, this is God's body, therefore I must ask God, hmm. seek his word to see, is this something he would want me to do with my body? Um, yeah. So, you know, going back to the social contagion thing, we, we, you know, we know that things like eating disorders or even body dysmorphia or suicidality, the, these are clearly, these clearly happen in clusters or social influence. So we know that teen, the way teenagers reflect on their bodies can be significantly influenced by the culture. Now, I do want to, I want to point out, I don't know if I made this clear earlier, that you have some teenagers that are highly influenced by their cultural surroundings, online communities, social communities at school. Then you have other people who just have this debilitating psychological condition since they're three years old. Right. We don't want to cross those. We don't want to pastorally address somebody who might be heavily insp- influenced by their culture or, or, or assume that when the person's actually wrestling with a, a, a really significant psychological condition. Yeah, so that's an important thing to identify. It's not to just assume everybody's on the same journey on this conversation, but that each person's unique. I think that's something that's really been a feature of your work as we've talked about sexuality is how every person's unique, their story's unique, their journey's unique. And the more you understand that story, the the better you can minister and help and support and care for and love and and welcome in. So continuing on, so in the ministry side, I mean, that's what you're talking into. In this framework, we have theology, ministry, relationships, politics, and the public square. So those are kind of the five layers that I think when we think about any cultural issue or topic, we kind of want to put it through that lens as we play out how we should faithfully live and and how should we faithfully engage this topic. But we could all disagree as we kind of move out from theology. I think as Christians, it's, it's probably agreeable that we land on... This is what God's design is. Now, of course, there's still debates about that. There will be disagreement. But ideally, there's agreement. This is what God's vision is for this. And then we just understand with compassion that because of the way this world works, like there's all kinds of ways in which we get some of that off and wrong. It's not always our fault. It's just part of the world that we're in. And so good ministry is what you just described. It's coming into that situation, understanding the story and saying, how do I pastorally care best for this individual. And what could you share a story maybe of, of where you've seen a church leader, a pastor, a parent care well for a person who is going through and experiencing maybe gender dysphoria and confusion about 
what they were feeling. And, and through that proper care and love, that person came out feeling way more supported and loved and possibly gained more clarity. Well, yeah, I, I've got too many stories that I could almost, it's hard to pick a single one, but um, as I think through various stories where, where churches have done this well, and not just churches, but say parents and leaders and mentors and, and so on, I think really listening um, is the number one key. Um, and this is this is really frustrating for people that do have gender dysphoria or are just confused about who they are um, when people who aren't confused, people like you and I, that we never, we've never had to even think about like, Am I really a male? And and what do you know? What, what am I doing in this body? Like we've never, we don't even know what that feels like, and that and that's because we don't know what it feels like. I think we need to take that posture of deep, intense, genuine, really listening to, to somebody's experience. And when someone feels listened to, then they feel seen. When they feel seen, they feel loved. And only when they feel loved are they going to invite you to continue into this journey um, of a really difficult path. You know, some people they live their entire lives with gender dysphoria. <laughs> And, you know, um, it's just, it's, it can be really excruciating. So what, whatever kind of discipleship counsel we're trying to offer the person, it needs to come from a place of humility, um, acknowledging that we just don't understand, you know, this experience. Yeah, I remember at Q this past year, uh, the story of Kat and Laura's yeah. friends where Kat had gone to a counselor experiencing these feelings. And tell that story of, yeah. of how, how she felt after she was counseled. So Kat uh, had recently come out as trans. Um, she had been wrestling with dysphoria for a long time, didn't have a name for it. And she wasn't walking with the Lord, raised in the church, but wasn't you know walking with Christ. And she ended up going to her secular counselor who, when the counselor heard that her, you know, she was identifying as trans, the counselor was kind of like, oh, well, let's get you on testosterone. Let's start, you know, the transition process. If you're trans, this is the best thing for you. And Kat recalls later that she felt a little bit unloved. Like she knew that she was going through lots of stuff and there was lots of layers to this. And the d- counselor unintentionally, but I, mean, I think just thought the quick fix is let's just change your body, you know? And shortly after she ended up going to a church and God really struck her at church, just single-handedly invaded her life. And um, in that moment when Kat was just, you know, being drawn to the Lord, uh, a Christian who happened to be same sex attracted and married to a dude and have three kids together, long story. Um, and she reached out to Kat and just said, you know, Hey, I, I noticed you come to church alone. Um, I, I would love for you to sit with our family if you ever want. Was, that's my husband over there. Our kids would love for you to sit with us. And, um, she had to be persistent at first. Kat didn't really, you know, buy it, but she's like, no, this, this, this woman is genuine. She actually wants me to sit with her right. family. Like, wow. You know, um, and it was that extension of love that really drew Kat in, not to having her theology all worked out, but it, it invited her into a discipleship journey. I'll never forget when when Kat, in a frustrated conversational moment, told Lori, you know what, I'm so sick and tired of what everybody says about my gender. I want to know, what does God think? Lori, what does God think? And Lori didn't say, well, let's go to Genesis, or Leviticus says, she said, you know what, I'm not quite sure, but I would love to find out with you. And it was that expression of theological humility that allowed Kat to say, I can trust this person. If, if Lori had all the right answers right up front, I'd probably not even trust her. The fact that she had the humility to say, 
I'm not quite sure, but let's search the scriptures together. And now that was two years ago. Kat's one of those zealous believers I've ever met. She's it's just an amazing story of that basic idea of ministry, walking alongside somebody, letting God do the work of ministering to them, but you being a conduit of love. Moving into relationships, and I think it builds on the story of Lori and Kat, friendships, family members. As you counsel parents who have children experiencing any form of this, Let's go with the, the form that, that maybe is less rooted in since the age of three feeling these things to maybe it's more current. It's in the last couple of years, they've basically started talking to their parents and just saying, I don't want to be my biological sex anymore. I don't, I don't want to be a boy, even though I might be male. I want to identify as a girl. How do parents best love their kids through that? Uh, that, that, that this is the number one hardest question I'm facing now because some teenagers in this situation are so adamant that, and I hate to say it, but there's not much you can do if yeah. you, if you try to steer them away or try to um, raise some even good honest questions about that whole paradigm. Sometimes um, it can it can go it can have a negative reaction, um, and part of the problem is that. There are many online communities that are, I mean, I hate even saying this, but just really brainwashing kids. They'll yeah. even tell, tell them, like, if your parent doesn't give you hormones immediately, then they're transphobic, and they're just going to increase your suicidality. They're toxic, and you need to get away from toxic relationships so you don't kill yourself. Wow. And so when a, when, a, when a teenager is being bathed in this, and then the parent, if they raise any questions, they're like, oh, yep, yeah, that... Online community is correct. Toxic parent. I'm going to kill myself. I need to get out of this house, get away, cut them off. And that can be incredibly hard. So I would advise parents of teenagers, you know, not to transition their kid, not, not to allow or sign off on invasive medical procedures, but somehow try to delay those irreversible lifelong decisions that many teenagers are making now. It's really sad. Yeah, and we're finding, I mean, some of the data and research and those who've done these surgeries are coming out now saying, yeah. I, I felt like now that I'm older and wiser and I've lived a little bit of life, I wish I wouldn't have made that decision so quickly. Yeah. There, there, a lot of uh, so-called detransitioners who transition and now are going back are young females in their early 20s. And they're, they're calling the year 2020 the year of the detransitioners. Really? There's so, if you just type in detransitioning in YouTube, you'll see a ton of testimonies. But look at the dates of those testimonies. They're all like one, two, three, four months old. Um, there's just an explosion of these coming out. And they're almost all, all almost all like young Teen, yeah, females they, just, they, said, they basically yeah. as females felt like they wanted to be uh, male yeah. in high school or middle school or whatever. And now they're in college age and they're going, I, I regretted doing that. And right. I, I want to get back to my biological sex. So I'd recommend if you're, you know, if you're a parent who, who has a teenager who is really adamant that they uh, want to transition or, you know, aren't their biological sex. Sometimes a parent can't really say a whole lot, but if they if they watch these testimonies of people who have been through that can resonate with so much of what the teenager's going through and yet would say, you know what, let's let's put the brakes on making some radical decisions here because you know, your body really does matter and some of these surgeries and, and things you're gonna do to your body can be not only really harmful in the long run, but they're irreversible. And I think that's part of our goal here is is it's better for just everybody to hear different stories. I mean, you've learned a lot. I know I've learned a lot hearing stories that maybe weren't as familiar to me, and it's brought on a great sensitivity, exposure, better understanding. But a lot of times in this cultural moment, certain stories aren't out there. 
and we're not hearing those stories as much. They're not as prominent. Your kids and teenagers maybe don't realize some people have detransitioned. And so as they're walking through it, if we're really concerned about truth with them having full information for decisions that they're making, just understand there's groups like this out here that Preston can make us more familiar with that can help in that process. So continuing on the relationship side, there's a lot of angles to that. There's teenagers who want to be good friends to their friends, but they don't always understand this and they just want to support them and show up for them and love them uh, and advocate for them. And that's a natural thing to do. Um, But as we move into the fourth framework, uh, politics and, you know, the LGBT movement for a while, all this was really combined. But then the last few years, you actually started to see there being some breakaway here where some of the gay community were saying, look, transgender is not necessarily the same thing as what we're walking through. And yet the groups are, are molded together and they've done that so that they can pursue certain rights and certain laws and, and get the same kind of uh, treatment under the law. And yet you see even some infighting in that political space, but what's kind of the latest front as we think about this political front that those who are, uh, transgender are wanting and are looking for. I know for a season it was access to bathrooms and the ability to not be discriminated against in public bathrooms. It seems like that kind of settled down a little bit and and now we've moved on from that and a lot of facilities are available that allow for both sexes and it's kind of become not as big of a deal. But what are the latest places where you're seeing a political movement happen around this particular issue? One of the most... Um... One of the biggest myths in this conversation is that there is such a thing as the LGBT community as if they're all on the same page. There's right. a lot on a, just a, on a p- political or cultural level. There's all kinds of internal tensions, primarily between um, the LGB and the and the T, um, and not so much all the LGB and T people, but some of the activists. Okay, so there's there's a growing movement of lesbians who are saying um we we don't belong in this community anymore because it's once again male dominated by male bodied people who want access to female only spaces so some right. of the most outspoken opponents of some of the radical trans activists are lesbian feminists yeah <laughs> so what, which what, we had one at Q i mean a couple years ago right, who right. Uh, just gave a great point where as a lesbian woman she was fighting against wanting to have males who identify as women in women's locker rooms and in those spaces because she said look this is one of the last preserved spaces where females can show up can take a shower can feel like they have some privacy and now biological men are showing up in that space and of course that's wildly controversial and she was kind (laughs) of blacklisted from lgbt parades and all kinds of things for saying that but that is a conversation that's coming to the fore more now. You even have public figures who aren't Christians, you know, people like Douglas Murray, who's gay, or Andrew Sullivan, who's gay, and other uh, public figures, um, lots of lesbian public figures and feminists that um, are not at all religious, not at all conservative, that are questioning some of the, again, not, 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 they're not transphobic, as some people say. They're just questioning some of the radical trans ideology, which has an impact on people's lives. We're seeing up in Canada that uh, the the criterion to determine whether you're a man or a woman is whether you say you're a man or a woman. So they're having a big problem in prisons. You have male males, predators, sex offenders, who are coming out and saying, well, I'm a woman. And they're literally being transferred to women's pr- right. prisons. And it's a right. huge we've problem. We've seen the same thing happen in athletics and mm-hmm. sports where, you know, male-bodied individuals are showing up in women's 
sports and, breaking and athletics. Breaking the faces of people. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like an MMA fight where this male-bodied, identifying as a female, like broke the neck or skull or something. Broke the face of a girl. Face yeah, of a woman. Yeah. Same thing in soccer. Who was like the top female. And so these things start to become obvious that this doesn't all line up. It doesn't make sense. And yet our society's at a place, and this is where I want to move into the public square, where they're saying, if you don't go with this, then you're the hater. You're pho- you have a phobia. You're transphobic. You're homophobic. If you question anything now in this sort of space, you, you're the enemy, right? You're the worst person ever to even raise that there could be another point of view. And that's the concern about where we're going on these basic ideas, basic logic, some basic truths. And of course, we need to be sensitive to understand people are coming from different experiences. But as Christians, it's okay to believe a certain way and to not not need to back away from like what you believe to be true and what you believe will lead to human flourishing. And and my concern is when we start to fake that and we start to play along with things that actually aren't necessarily true, but we're just saying it because we want to socially fit in, we actually start playing into a distortion and we normalize it. And it's really our kids and their kids that grow up in a world where there's deeper confusion. And one thing that Christians need to understand is unlike the same-sex marriage debates, which were pretty much divided between liberals and conservatives, right? If you're a conservative, you were probably for traditional marriage. If you were liberal, of course, you'd be for same-sex marriage. When it comes to some of the fundamental questions about what it means to be human in this conversation, there's loads of very liberal people who are questioning this kind of radical trans ideology. Now, I keep using that phrase, radical trans ideology. Don't, we can't associate it with, oh, all the liberals think this. There was a study done a while back that surveyed how many people would kind of be thinking along these kind of hyper-progressive lines. And I think it was like 8% of the population. Hmm. If, if you're yeah. on Twitter, you feel like it's like 75%. But it's right. not – the average person – looks at a man and woman and says, these are kind of basic categories. Most people are kind of scared to say anything. But I, I don't know. I, I, think it's, I think this radical ideology that tries to say there's no differences between a man and a woman, your bodies are irrelevant, you can just change them around. Um, you know, I think that's a, a small yet very loud and very powerful right. minority voice. Right. Um, so we'll see. And in two to five years, it'll be interesting to see, even on a cultural level, where it's, where it's going to be. There's enough very liberal voices speaking out. Um, that it, and it, if you look at even like in Sweden and the UK, New Zealand, some places outside of America, they're again these very liberal voices are starting to uh, help people to rethink some of these things, and, yeah. and they're making it's, some it's changes. It's becoming okay to question a few yes. of these areas and not just to shut up and right. follow along with where this narrative's going. Well, this is Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, and that was more of Gabe's conversation with Preston Sprinkle of the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. They were talking a lot about the very emotionally charged issue of transgenderism. It's something that has affected a growing number of families in the last several years with the advent of rapid-onset gender dysphoria, mainly among teens and early adult females. Now, if you've been listening to Q Ideas for long, you've heard Preston before, as Preston and Gabe have dealt with many issues around 
homosexuality, the broader LGBT movement, and now specifically transgenderism, a topic that has many in the church struggling to find answers. Preston has spoken at many Q events over the years talking around these issues. Again, his new book, focused on helping us better understand transgenderism, is embodied. Transgender Identities, the Church, and What the Bible Has to Say. Gabe joins me now. And Gabe, this is one of the books that I have on my large stack to read because this issue has touched my family, and I'm trying to wrap my head around it. I've also listened to many episodes of Preston's podcast, Theology in the Raw, dealing with the issue. I can say it's not an easy topic to understand, but your friend Preston has been a major help to me, and hopefully through this and last week's show, it has helped many others. And I understand there's a chance to hear and engage with him more this coming week. Uh, I want to remind you that Preston's going to be with us at our Q 2021 Culture Summit. April 22nd and 23rd, we're coming together, and we're doing it really bigger than ever. Unfortunately, the in-person part won't be as big as ever. That's going to be small, smaller than ever. (laughs) But the outlet of this to every home, every church, every office space, collab space, wherever you can bring a few people together in a way that you're comfortable with to take in the dialogue and the conversations live and engage with those around you, that has always been the vision of Q. Our goal is that... You don't just take in content because we can all go to YouTube and take in content or read articles, but more that we're learning together and we're talking about it together. So there's going to be space for that. I'm also excited about something new we're able to do because of the virtual element we've never been able to do before. We're going to have these expert Q&As where we've invited 40 different leaders who are experts on so many topics, very much like what just happened here in this podcast experience. You get to talk to an expert. You get to listen in on his thoughts, his views. 40 leaders like Preston who are going to be a part of the conversations with you. You're going to get to directly interact, choose the different sessions that you want to interact with these leaders on, and all of the topics that you could imagine that we're going to talk about. Everything from technology and artificial intelligence to how do we think through this lens in a post-COVID world of what it means to gather, what it means to be the church. What does it mean for us to be faithful in the midst of tensions culturally? We're going to talk about everything from currency to Uh, you name it, death and dying, and some of the deep, sad moments that we've all experienced in the last year. How do we be faithful? And so I hope you'll join us. Go to qideas.org slash culture summit. Now, if you're like me, I'll tell you how to spell it. Summit, two M's, one T. It's that simple. Go to qideas.org slash culture summit. You'll see all about the presentations that are confirmed. There's many more coming on, as well as our expert Q&As that we're building out right now. And they're awesome. And I hope that not only we be a part of the conversations we're having through listening in, but that you'll interact with us, that you'll bring your voice to the conversation. You'll bring your questions and we'll do our best to bring answers. I hope you have a wonderful day. This program is made possible in partnership with Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Thank you for listening to the Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make your gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or on your podcast player. And thank you for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of Q Ideas with Gabe Lyons.